Good morning. Man, it is uh, great to be back, and I am Scott, and the reason I know that is because I had to get my driver's license renewed yesterday, so I know who I am, and they passed me, uh, I don't know how they passed me, they make you stick your head, you know, when your license gets renewed up, and so you can do the, the eye test. She never asked me if I wore glasses or needed glasses, and obviously I do, because I put my head up in there, she said, can you read the letters on line five on the right? And I just was dumbfounded because I couldn't read them. And I'm looking at them, and they're blurry, and I can't make She goes, try the next line up. I'm going, that's not much better. And, and we did one more line up, and I barely was able to get a few of them. And then my left eye was a little better. And I thought she was going to fail me because she didn't say anything. She looked at the lady sitting next to her with one of the other workers, and she went. And so she passed me, and I got my picture taken. So I may not be the safest person on the road, but I know who I am because my driver's license has my name on it. So just getting back from break, which was full of doing a basement, all right? Our basement was a walkout that we bought this house last year, and we just finished the basement, which has been an incredibly difficult project. I got to use power tools, and I've got all my fingers, and I didn't get hurt. Those are positive kind of things. We got to tear out a barn that shouldn't have been there to begin with, and we're putting another one up, and it's just been a a great, not great restful break, but it's been a great break to accomplish some goals and and some things that have been out there. But anyway, I also got to go on a mission trip uh, on my break in in the second week of July down to Happy Church, and it's unfathomable to see the pictures of that place. We've been going there for the past 10 years or so, and we've done a lot of work at their Clayhole campus. I mean, we've redone basically the entire building there, two buildings there, and to see the water above the doors where you walk into the church building, I never thought that would have been possible. And I just got a message yesterday that said they're going to have to demolish the entire Clayhole campus. Just devastating. It really, really is. And and uh, so we're going to have that meeting after this service. Come join us if you want to see how you can help, um, what we can do to support them. Also, coming back off uh, after a break, I want to thank all of our staff, our entire staff team. I think we've got 13 or 14 staff, um, ministerial staff at this point, and, and a couple new ones just came on. You'll be introduced to them uh, next Sunday, and, and great stuff happening. But things run flawlessly around here when I'm not here. They're challenging when I am here, but they're flawless when I'm, when, when I'm gone. And what a great teaching team we've got. Uh, didn't Shelly and Joel and, and, uh, and Rick Moore, uh, didn't they do an awesome job of speaking over the past month? Well, today we're jumping into a brand new series adapted from Life Church called When Pigs Fly. Now, I've been off for five weeks of speaking I've got a whole lot of deep stuff that we're going to cover today, and it might be way too much in one message, but we're going there. So strap in, put the seatbelts on, keep your hands and feet inside the ride, and kind of track with me uh, on some of this stuff, okay? This brand new series. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, when pigs fly? Yeah? I mean, basically means it's not going to happen, right? You say, you know, oh, that's going to happen. You go, no, I, I don't think so. Well, since we live in the swine city of Cincinnati and we run the flying pig 
marathon. I thought I would use an analogy from Cincinnati. All right? Here we go. The Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. And my response is, when pigs fly. That's my response, all right? I mean, it just says, you're not even going to win the first game of the season because it's against the Steelers. And I didn't hear what you said, so we're moving on right here. But it's when pigs fly. All these examples are out there of things you go, oh, that's, that's never going to happen. That won't work. That, that can't be. There are all kinds of things like that. And when you hear the word, we're switching gears into this topic, when you hear the word miracle, what's the first thing that jumps into your mind when you hear the word miracle? Somebody tell me. Unexplainable. God. Should have never happened. Exactly. When you hear the word miracle, there are all kinds of places our minds go, right? From things like, oh, those just don't happen. I mean, when pigs fly, literally, those miracles don't happen. I've never seen one. Or you think, I believe in miracles, and I'm kind of waiting on one to happen in my life right now. Or you think, I have experienced miracles in my life, in my past. Now, the word miracle is, again, it's one of those when pigs fly kind of words. It really is, because most of us kind of believe that God's done miracles like a long time ago, but God doesn't do them anymore, and they don't happen anymore, and he certainly isn't going to do one for me, because it's never happened in my life. I think the word miracle is losing some of its power because of how we use it. See if you relate to this. Let's say you went to Kroger on a Saturday. Our new Kroger out here off of Route 4 is packed on Saturdays. It, it just is, right? And so you go to the Kroger on Saturday, and all the parking spots are full until you pull down the first row, and the best parking spot opens up as you get right to it. It's a miracle, right? I mean, it just is. It's a full-blown miracle for that to happen. That's not a miracle. Let me tell you what happened, all right? My wife went grocery shopping, which she hates, by the way. And so she walked into Kroger, she looked around, she threw her arms in the air, she turned around and walked back out to the parking lot just as you were pulling in to the parking lot. She got in her car and left as you were able to pull right in that front spot. That's what happened. It wasn't a miracle, it was my frustrated wife. That's what happened for you to get that parking spot. So what is a miracle? What does that look like? Well, a miracle is when an all-knowing, ever-present God intervenes in our lives, all right? A miracle is when an all-knowing, ever-present God intervenes in our lives, and it doesn't matter what he does. Could be physically, could be mentally, could be emotionally, could be relationally, it could be absolutely anything. I mean, maybe for you, there was a tumor, and now there isn't. How do you explain that? Oh, misdiagnosis. Uh, it wasn't really there. Uh, the medicine took care of it, whatever. Uh, maybe you need to think, maybe God did a miracle in that case. Maybe it was a car wreck. And you think there is absolutely no way we should have walked away from that wreck because of the way the driver's side was mangled, and there's just no way, and yet here you are, and you're walking around after the wreck. Is that coincidence? Is that the great airbags that Volvo put into your car? 
or did God maybe play a role in that? Was there a miracle that happened? You destroyed your marriage, and there's no way for your spouse to still be there with you, but they are. Do you think that happens by sheer willpower? No, God's working a miracle in the middle of that. And you need to see that, and you need to see that it's happened. God shows up in our lives in so many different ways that we don't even notice on a daily basis. But he's there because God intervened. Now, anybody here, you need a miracle in your life today? Anybody? I mean, is there anything happening? Yeah, almost every hand should go, yeah. Anything happening with you that you're going, I need God to show up. I need God to fix this. I need God to change this because everything I've tried is not working. It's just not. And maybe it's for you or maybe it's for a family member or maybe it's for a good friend and you're going, you know, is there anything that you see out there that you need God to step into and provide a miracle in your life? I tell you what, let's just do this. Let's just pray for a moment right now. Let's just pray for God to intervene in whatever scenario came to your mind when I asked you if you need a miracle. Let's pray. Father God, I'm praying for everyone in this room and everybody that's watching online, God, that you would intervene in their lives, that you would show up in their lives, that you would provide some type of miracle for them to be able to be and live how you want them to be, and how you want them to live. God, provide that for them. God, I'm praying right now for the, the, the people in OTR that were shot last night. God, may you provide healing for them. That's a miracle that they're still alive. God, thank you for that. God, I pray for the person that did the shooting. May you jump into their lives and change something for them. God, provide some clarity to them. But I'm, God, I'm praying for you to do that because we can't. And I'm praying for miracles. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to walk through what miracles look like for the next few weeks. All right? So maybe you want to do a little digging yourself. Maybe through scripture. Maybe through your, your family lives. And look through what miracles look like. And every miracle that you see in the Bible will fall into one of four categories. Either it's a healing miracle it's a protection miracle, it's a provision miracle, or it's a deliverance miracle. Maybe today, I think we'll start with the deliverance type miracle. Maybe it looks something like this. All right, I know you got to be a certain age to get that, and you didn't hear the first couple notes of the dueling banjos, it's okay. You, you, you still, some of you got the reference. It's not that kind of deliverance. It's much, much cooler than that. But to understand how God works, you have to understand the type of deliverance that he wants to give to you. Miracles of deliverance are when God does miracles over the forces and the powers of darkness. When God shows his power over demonic forces. Think Star Wars times a million kind of good. You know, that's what this is. Think of the battle over good and evil. Think of having a strong enough to belie a belief in a powerful force big enough to move mountains. 
And that power being so mighty because of how mighty God is that he can heal you because he created you. That he can heal you because he created everything around you. That he can take care of your issues because he created everything. That's how powerful God is, right? I I believe... You, you know, you start talking about demonic kind of stuff and demonic forces, and you think, man, this is getting kind of weird because I'm not sure I believe in that stuff. I'm not sure I've ever experienced anything like that. I certainly think it's a little weird and a little far out there. I get that. But I also believe that the greatest trick that the devil has ever played on us was to convince us that he does not exist. Because if he doesn't exist, then maybe God doesn't exist. And if God doesn't exist, then I can just live life on my own, on my own terms, trying to do it by myself, which is going to mess you up anyway, because you need God. But that's where we go with it. If the devil doesn't exist, you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to worry about, nobody coming at you in negative kind of ways. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against spirits in the heavenly places. A lot of times we see Christianity as optional, as kind of fun, as connecting, gathering, and it is all of those things, but we miss the fact that Christianity is a battleground. And it's not against the natural world, the things that we see all the time. It's against the supernatural world that most of us don't see. And we miss the fact that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against spiritual enemies. In other words, your boss that you hate, your annoying mother-in-law. I have a great mother-in-law. Some of you have annoying mother-in-laws. Maybe the person that argues with you on Facebook, they're not your real enemies. They just aren't. We have spiritual enemies, and we battle against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. We're doing battle against the forces of darkness, and you don't even realize it because you're just living your life like nothing's going on around you. Let's jump back and figure out what this demonic force means. What is a demon? Now, a lot of us believe that demons are the spirit of somebody that's died. In other words, your Uncle Ben was a hard-living, hateful, mean, nasty person, and now he's dead. So there's no choice except for him to be a demon. That's what we see on Ghost Hunters, right? I mean, that's kind of how that works. That's, That's what's happening out there. Listen, your uncle's not a demon, A demon is not the spirit of somebody that's died. If you want to go into this a little bit more, dig into Isaiah 14 or Revelation 12. In Isaiah 14, Lucifer, which is another name for the devil, he makes these I will statements. He says, I will be like God. I will sit in the highest place. I will be better than God. And God's God's looking at him going, really? Really? You, you, you really think that's what's going to happen? He said, there's no one like me. You're powerful. You're not as powerful as I am. I created you. You need to understand that. 
So God threw Lucifer out of heaven, and then Lucifer takes one-third of the angels with him. That's all, again, Isaiah 14, Revelation 12. And demons, here's what they are. They are the fallen angels that left heaven with Lucifer whenever God kicked them out. That's what a demon is. So what do we know about demons? One devil, many demons. It's how it works. Just like an angel is to God, a demon is to Satan. Demons do the work of our spiritual enemy in the dark realms, trying to take people away from the kingdom of God. Now, I know that's a lot to think about, right? You're going, so there's stuff around me that I don't see. I mean, these unseen forces, it's hard for us to understand. Now, for a lot of us, if you grew up in the church, you grew up in a church that either overemphasized demonic influences or underemphasized demonic influences. For some of us, you're looking for a demon under every rock. Somebody after nine o'clock service, I think it was Jennifer working in the booth, she said, have you read the Frank Peretti book, This Present Darkness, out about 25, 30 years ago? I said, man, Frank Peretti is a great writer, but he saw demons everywhere. You know, I mean, absolutely everywhere. Your phone falls off of the, 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 the holder that's in your car. It was a demon because the demon wanted to crack your screen to make you upset. That, that, that's a demon. Probably you have a really crappy phone holder and you hit a bump and it fell off and hit your dash and it cracked. That's probably what happened. Well, I'm, I'm broke because the, the devil took all my money. No, you're broke because you just bought three outfits, two pairs of shoes, a new iPhone because it broke when it fell off your phone holder, and you just got back from vacation in Florida. That's the reason you're broke. You can't blame every problem on the devil. And no, the devil did not make you eat the whole thing. I take care of that on my own very nicely. Thank you very much. Sometimes we overemphasize demonic influences. Some of us underemphasize demonic influences. Don't miss this. There are things that are part of our lives that are absolutely caused by the forces of darkness. And we don't want to believe that. We, we, we don't want to see that. We don't want to know that. We want to kind of catch a glimpse of ghost hunters on TV and then turn it off when we get scared. Right? We don't want to deal with the realities. If we want to understand how God miraculously works over the power of darkness, we need to understand what the power of darkness does. Right? So here's what demons do. First, they tempt you to sin. 1 Timothy 1-2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons these people are hypocrites and liars, and their conscience are dead. So demons are going to communicate to you. Now, how does that happen? I've got no idea. I, I don't, I've never heard a physical voice do that, but they communicate. Maybe it's a, a whisper in your mind. Go ahead, you deserve it. Go ahead and watch that show. Go ahead and touch that. Smoke that. You, you know you deserve it. Go ahead, shoot it, take it, whatever it is. And, and what they'll do is they will minimize sin on the front side. They'll say it's not a big deal. You're going to let somebody tell you how to live your life? 
You're going to let somebody tell you who you can be in a relationship with and who you can't. You're going to let somebody tell you how much you can drink or not drink. You're going to let somebody tell you and force you. That's not the way it should work. You got to live your life free and do whatever you want to do. And then you'll be happy. And when you do that, they don't minimize it anymore. Then the demonic forces maximize it in your life. I can't believe you did that. How stupid are you? Really? Nobody's going to love you after you did that. There's no way your spouse is going to take you back. There's no way God could ever use you. You're worthless. You're trash. They maximize all the, the feelings and heartaches that you have after you give in to the first thing that they were minimizing. They'll also try to distract you from God's will. First Timothy 4, he said, the Spirit, God's Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Anybody know someone like that? I mean, they were really on fire for God. They, they, were, they were in the church. They were connecting to Jesus. They were doing all the right things. And then all of a sudden, what happens? They start walking away from God and start spouting all these really crazy kind of thoughts and beliefs. You know someone like that? Hey, it really doesn't matter what you believe. I mean, all roads lead to God, right? I mean, you just kind of find what works for you. Might be a little bit of Buddhism, might take a little bit of Christianity, might take a little bit of Islam, and you mix it with a little bit of witchcraft, because it doesn't really matter what you believe. Just be sincere. And then they distract you from where God wants you to go. Finally, demons inflict suffering on people. There's a really sad story about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 17. A father comes and is begging for Jesus' help because his son is, is in the middle of this possession kind of thing. It says this, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, and a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples but they couldn't heal him. Now, this is an interesting concept here. Jesus says, because you're faithless and corrupt, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon that was in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Now, those of you that had kids, do you understand where this dad is? Would you do anything for your kids? Would you go to any length to protect them, to provide for them, to take care of them? And this boy is just in a bad place because a demonic force had taken over his body. And Jesus rebukes it. And when Jesus rebukes that force, the boy is healed, and that's a miracle that's happened. And it's cool to see Jesus do that, right? I mean, you go, well, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. I mean, no, Jesus says this, I came to give you life and to give you life to the fullest. That's the miracle. That's what Jesus wants for you. He wants to get you out of being stuck by what these demonic forces are whispering to you and doing in your lives, and he wants you to have a full life. 
We know that Jesus came to set the captives free, and we know that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve others. And we know that Jesus didn't come for people that are healthy. He came for people that were hurting and people that were sick. And we know that Jesus did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous people, but he came for people that were struggling. That's why he's here. What's Satan's mission? It's to destroy you. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, that's Satan's mission. My mission is, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. See the differences? And there's a miracle in that. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do in your life. Inflict some pain there as well. Now, I've seen this, and maybe some of you have seen this, and it's not surprising to me, but I see it. I've been in ministry for almost 40 years, and I've seen a lot of spiritual battles going on. I see how, how demons can influence depression in people, can intensify their thought processes into suicidal thoughts, and influ influence the feelings that are just desperation in people's lives. And I've seen these, the, these forces just destroy marriages and wreck finances and steal your joy, right? Take away your health. They want to crush you. They want to crush your families. You know, it's, it's a shame we see the devil as some type of a cartoon character. And when we picture him, what do we picture? A little suit with, you know, red horns and a red pointy tail and a pitchfork running around all over a cartoon screen. And that is the furthest thing from who he is. The forces of Satan hate God. It's not a, oh, maybe he's okay, maybe we'll be on the highway to hell and everything will be fine when we get, you know, guys, we've been so deceived because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Listen, it's not okay. It's not. And Satan wants to keep deceiving you into thinking it's not a big deal. His forces are all about hating God, and their mission is to hurt what matters most to God. And do you know what matters most to God? You do. Every single person in this room, every single person watching online, you are the most valuable possession that God has. He loves you more than anything else. You need to hold on to that. So what if we do what do we do if we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle? If you're a Christ follower, you actually have this miraculous power over the darkness because of what Jesus has done for you and who he is. We need to understand that we're not fighting with our own power. When you start fighting these battles with darkness, we're fighting with the power of Jesus. Matthew 10.1 says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and drive out demons. We use his authority and his power. It has nothing to do with our power. It's all about his power. Craig Rochelle puts it like this. He says, imagine for a moment that I'm a police officer. I'm standing in the middle of the road, and imagine an 18-wheeler is coming my way. He said, if I, as a police officer, tell the 18-wheeler to stop, do I have the physical power to make that vehicle stop? Jake, do we? 
Absolutely not. What do we have? We might have, because he's a police officer, he has influence, but he doesn't have the physical power to do anything about it, right? If an 18-wheeler hits you, what's happening? You don't want to know. That's what's happening, right? I mean, that, that's how it works. You know, but you have this little badge that says, I have the authority to stop you. I'm a police officer. I have authority to stop you. And if you don't respect my authority, what happens? A higher authority will step in and make you respect the authority. Even though in my own life, I don't have the power to defeat darkness, I have the authority to declare the name that's above every name, the name who has all the power over darkness, and that's the name of Jesus to say, I have the authority over you. And in the name of Jesus, I can do and stop you from affecting me. Friends, we serve a God who does miracles. And we serve a God who gives you the authority, again, over this first basic type of miracle, the authority of darkness in your life. You have the authority over that. And you're going, I just want to pay my bills. I just want to live my life. I got things I got to do. Listen, you don't have anything to do that God doesn't want to be a part of in your life because he wants you to live life to the fullest. And every single moment of your day, you need God in your life. Because behind the scenes, the dark forces want you to feel like you're nothing, like you're insignificant, like you don't matter, like you don't have a purpose, like there's no plan for your life, like you are nobody. And God says, because of my authority for you, you are everything. And you can do everything in my name. You just need to learn how to do that. You know, Jesus is called the light of the world. That's what he calls himself. And when he walks into some place that's dark, the darkness leaves. We need to tap into that light. We need to hold on to that light. Because a lot of our lives are dark. And you need that miracle to get out. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray for everyone here, everyone watching online, God, that you will do some type of miracle in their lives. Give them the authority over the dark things in their lives. Give them the authority to make it through the temptations and the negative talk in their minds and demons whispering to them. God, give them the authority to live life to the fullest because that's why you came for us. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.